welcome to another installment of Cookie Pocket. This podcast is about film. I'm joined once again by my co-hosts, Mitchell and Zach. Hi. And today, Hi. <laughs> we will be discussing Paul Blart's Mall Cop <laughs> from 2009, directed by Steve Carr, who's also directed such classics as Dr. Doolittle 2, Daddy Daycare, and Movie 43. <laughs> And starring Kevin James, who has starred in other classics such as Grown Ups and Zookeeper, among others. Ooh, Produced okay. by Adam Sandler. Yes, mm-hmm. that too. And his production company. Yes, uh, Happy Madison Productions, yep. I, I think. I am in the deepest pain right now. <laughs> yes, we, we know, Zach. Uh, and before we get to general impressions, which is how we usually like to start these things, oh. I want to challenge you to... To share one, count it, one good thing about this film. Me? I believe this is achievable for all of us. And I'm going to ask that you find one good thing. This, I'll, this I'll is, Mitchell this go is, first. This is for Zach. I have like a million good things about this film. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will, I will, dis- I will end Zach's whole career in five minutes. Okay. Just... <laughs> You've done that before, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, one good thing. Um, all right. Um, Kevin James playing that part. Nice. Yep. This is going to take more words for me because I'm going to have to explain this. Um, so our listeners know, we'll get to this in overall impressions. This was kind of like pulling teeth for me. But if I had to This isn't to say, answering the question, Zach. Just answer the I question. I had to say anything positive. It would be that the movie kind of tries to act like a real movie at the end. It doesn't. Okay. But it kind of tries to for a little bit before it disappoints you. And that's maybe the only positive thing I can say about it. That really feels like a not an answer, but I'll take it. It's the best I can do, Christian. I'm (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Um, I'll just second Mitchell's and we'll... Now we can get into general impressions. I'll stop muzzling you both. Um, Yeah. Ratings out of five... What did we make of this movie that is, once you get into it, pretty obviously a parody of, of Die Hard, I think, and um, something that doesn't take itself too seriously, in my opinion. But uh, ratings out of five, general impressions, and let's try not to hurt each other while we're at it. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off. Um, before I go into my thoughts here, I'm going to be a little scathing. So I just want to say to anybody who worked below the line on this movie, so I'm talking caterers, PAs, grips, gappers, electricians. Yes. Who are all listening, of course. Uh, who knows, you know. Uh, I I don't blame you. you. You got work. You got paid. It's really hard to find work in this industry. I get it. Um, and so Zach, for that, please answer I the question. You. This movie isn't your fault. To anybody above the line, though, uh, so we're talking Kevin James, cinematographers, directors, how dare you create just an utterly lazy piece of garbage? I I hated this movie. <laughs> hated, hated, hated this movie, to quote the great Roger Ebert. Uh, it, it was awful. It was so lazy and so devoid of anything resembling an idea or a thought, or even a joke, and it, it just, it made me mad, and it insulted me that it made $140 million, because they laughed their way all the way to the bank at the expense of 
the major audience who ate it up like Sunday breakfast, and it just makes me so sad. One out of five. <laughs> well, the great uh, Roger Ebert saw how great this was and gave it a three out of four, and it made $183.3 million, not 140. So I'm going to start off by saying that uh, Kevin James is Kevin James. If you've ever seen King of Queens or anything, Grown Ups, whatever the crap the that Kevin James was in, um, you could pretty much expect this to be uh, revolving a lot around him, kind of how Die Hard <laughs> revolved around um, <laughs> what Bruce Willis. Um, John McClane. <laughs> yes. You, you, I know John McClane. Okay. okay. Yes, John McClane. <laughs> um, so this is one of many films, such as Daddy, Daddy Daycare, which, by the way, I love that movie. I love that movie. Okay. And the reason why is because there is a certain type of appeal to family movies that are rated PG and that are specifically made that are to be lighthearted and to make fun of themselves constantly and quite often are very slapstick. And this is extremely slapstick. This is like top tier. Like this is like you can't get any more slapstick than this. The slapstick comedy is very varied and there's a lot of different ways they they make Kevin James fall down. And I was not expecting anything else. I was not expecting some complicated jokes like Monty Python multi-layered stuff where it's like you have to be like a teenager to fully appreciate this or even a young adult to fully appreciate this. This is a movie that's supposed to be able to be appreciated by literally everybody. It was purposely made to paradise die hard. It was not lazily done that way. It was, it was purposely done that way from the very beginning. And this was built around Kevin James's kind of brand of humor and I, I don't blame the film for taking the route that it did going with the story. The story is obviously bad. The story is ridiculous. Um, all of the events concerning the villains are terrible. Um, all of the things that the villains do, the decisions they make, are dumb. But watching Kev, Kevin James act even dumber than them and still one-up them is fine by me. There's, a, there's enough variation in how he knocks them out in ridiculous ways that it makes me want to see what the next scene's going to be. And that's enough for me. I don't need to have, you know, a lot of comedic momentum to carry me to the very end, where I need to have, like, serious plot twists and things like that. And I appreciated the, the completely out-of-nowhere plot twists at the very end, um, <laughs> which was just, to me, it's, it's more ironic than it is, you know, complicated, top-tier comedy. Um, and that's perfectly fine with me. I mean, I feel like... I feel like maybe I've developed a sense of understanding for family films that are like this, that have, especially ones that came out during this time. Um, and there's maybe maybe it was just made to to be a quick buck. Maybe I'm over, you know, I'm just way over analyzing this, and I and it's just this is way less complicated, and this is just a complete cash grab. But I mean, I I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of different. First of all, there's there's humor that's to be enjoyed that would not be. It's not politically correct today at all, which is to an extent, very enjoyable for most people um, who are tolerable and, and like, you know, <laughs> not even just like darker comedy, who, who like breaking the boundaries of, of comedy in general. And comedy, by definition, is literally to offend, but basically to, to offend people, um, to offend somebody. <laughs> so, um, and I really enjoyed those parts of it um, that were very 2009 brand. Um, and I think that in that way, it holds up. Um, I gave it a two out of five um, because I know that it's not, very well made i mean i mean the cinematography is like 
fine. Like, I feel like they do a good job kind of showing his evolution as a character going from being, you know, just happy-go-lucky, kind of just going on with his day, letting people run over him until he finally gets an opportunity to show show off what he's really made of kind of thing. And obviously, it's ironic. It's not He's not actually, like you know top tier like alpha like john mcclain is that's but i that's the point that's literally the point of its character so um i think that's perfectly fine and i my expectations were already low to begin with and you know i think this is a perfect family movie just to put on in the background and it's i think it's fine i mean i i don't get easily frustrated by comedies unless they're you know trying really hard at something that's not that doesn't work at all um, in this case, I don't feel like the movie's trying very hard in general. I feel like it kind of just is just is what it is. Yeah, it that's doesn't need to try hard. Is that it's not trying. Yeah, but that's what a family PG comedy expects. I've never seen a PG family comedy from the early two thousands that have tr- that has tried extremely hard and completely failed. Let alone tried extremely hard. So that's I, why I gave it a two and a half out of five. I think it's I just, totally I see that as score. such a problem, and it, and it befuddles me to such a great extent that somebody can say, this movie didn't try, I liked it. Like, I find that so bizarre, I just can't understand that. But by, what I mean by a movie that tries, it, I don't mean, like, it tries to make something, it, it's not trying to make something bigger than it really is. Yeah. Like, you can only, it's Kevin James, like, come on, like, what did you expect? <laughs> What I did you expect? God, which was not very good. Okay, <laughs> that, well, that's okay. I'm yeah. not going to give a movie full stars because it gave me the not very okay. good thing that I expected. <laughs> yes, Zach. Um, I think it might be time for me to cut in here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely agree a little bit more with Mitchell, though I understand <laughs> that this is a, a cheaply made movie that is not trying to break the boundaries of cinema. <laughs> Or be something especially artful or more than it is. It is, as Mitchell said, a family comedy that uh, a tired suburban mom might take her children to yes. on at a Wednesday matinee just to sit down in the dark for an hour and laugh once or twice, maybe. Yes. And her kids are going to love it. And, you know, I, I think that's okay. I gave this a 2 out of 5 with the knowledge that it's not really special. It doesn't really do anything great or or amazing and it's like i said it's not really innovative in the context of cinema but i don't think it needs to be like mitchell said i don't think it's trying to be and zach i i I somehow struggle with the idea that you would like this more if it was trying to be cinematically important like if if a movie titled paul blart mall cop was trying to be like high cinema i do not think that this would have gone better for you at all I just want to clarify here. I'm not asking for something innovative. I'm not asking for something cinematically important, but I'm asking for something that at least tries to be something other than, eh, we're on set. We shot a thing of Kevin James falling down. Like you said, a suburban mom might go to see it and laugh twice. Can't we expect more than just laughing twice? Like if a suburban mom is going to take her kids (laughs) to see a film she should be able to laugh more than twice. She should be able to do more than just sit there in the dark and chuckle once or twice. She should be able to expect it to be funny for her, too. And it's it bothers me that this movie just gets by on, eh, it's, it's fine for your kids. Your kids will like it when, when, when Kevin James falls off his Segway. Like, I, I think that's but that, so but that was the bar. That Can't was the bar it was set more? out to achieve. 
It was the that was the bar that was what it set out to achieve, Zach. Yes, and from I the think beginning. that's lazy and it frustrates me. I can set out to achieve nothing but eating breakfast in the morning. That doesn't mean I had a productive day. Yeah, but that's what you're expecting. It's relative to the expectation. It's not relative to every other comedy yeah. that came out. It's not like you know what I mean. And I understand our our numbered ratings and our comments in general to be relative to the expectations like we set yes. for yes. for a movie. Like we wouldn't grade a student film the same way we would grade like no. a, a blockbuster budget um, no. production. So, um, and and to be to be fair, I certainly laugh more than twice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I this is genuinely funny. I, I think if you if you decide to to treat it like an enjoyable comedy, and uh, maybe this is because I saw it when I was seven years old and <laughs> and really liked it. And I saw it with my brother and I think my mom and it's, it's a deep childhood memory and it's a guilty pleasure. And, uh, at some point my brother or myself, uh, got the DVD for a gift. So I've seen this several times. And so I have fun with it. You know, I think it's funny. I think Kevin James is a funny man. And you know, maybe that, that makes me a, a terrible student of cinema, but I think it's okay to just, uh, not be watching Kurosawa every time I turn on a movie. Um, yeah. it, it, for me, it's a nice change of pace. And I'm hopeful that at least some of the suburban moms that saw this laughed more than twice. Um, my next question is about Kevin James. And, oh. and Zach, I, I fully understand your general disdain with the product here, but I, 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 this is sincere. I would sincerely like to hear like more specific reasons why you hated this besides i hated it was lazy so uh with this question uh a topic we'll focus on is kevin james the star who this pretty much revolves around do we think kevin james is funny do we think he's too much or too little would this be better if it had like a truly seasoned well-regarded actor or is it just what it is so in answer to your question there I think this movie would make up for a lot if I thought that Paul was actually funny and endearing. But I don't. Paul is not endearing to me. And the movie rides on your expectation that Paul is a sweet, endearing guy. He's not to me. To me, he's just sort of irritating and sad and pathetic. Um, and that doesn't make me find him funny. It makes He reminds me of every like fourth or fifth grader who comes up to you at a family get-together and like thinks they're so funny and is desperate for you to hear their joke or watch them do a pratfall, and you just want them to go away so you can continue like doing whatever you're doing. And I don't find that funny. Maybe kids will find it funny. Maybe ki- those fourth and fifth grade kids who think they're so funny will find this funny because it's their kind of humor. But for me, it- it's-, it's just the kind of thing that makes me go, I'm trying to have a conversation with your Aunt Betty. Please go away. <laughs> um, so no, I, I do not find Kevin James funny. Um, why? why? For the reasons I mentioned, I, I find him just kind of sad and pathetic, and I don't think his slapstick is funny. I don't think he has any kind of a sense of timing. Um, I think his jokes are of the lowest common value. Like his jokes are the kind of thing you would see a hundred years before in a slapstick show for like eighth graders or less than 8th graders. And the, the jokes are so dated. It's just, I fall over, I run into thing. I fall over, I run into thing. My tummy growl, I fart. 
I fall through window. And it's just, it's the most <laughs> basic thing. And I, it I should gets mention, so old. There's no reference of bodily function in this movie at all. Yeah, I was no, when, say. He, when he's in the duct, when he's in the duct, he farts. No, he doesn't. That I no, don't think he does. I think his, it's just it's squeaking because growling. he's like shaking. It's his stomach growling. No, that, yeah. his, well, I mentioned his stomach growling, and then there is a sound that I am pretty darn sure is a fart. Maybe it isn't a <laughs> fart. I didn't. I didn't expect myself to be arguing the validity of farts in Paul Blart Malkoff this morning. But, Dear viewer, uh, leave, leave the answer in the comments. Is there? Is yeah, there you better Paul Blart farts. You better. You better go back. You have to go back to the mist and 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 take that beginning and say there's some very heavy material here that people cannot handle. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I just I, realized I, know, I, I, I kind of forgot to try to summarize this, but um, <laughs> I don't think there's much to summarize beyond. No, there um, isn't. Paul is a mall cop, and uh, a situation happens akin to Die Hard, wherein some some BMX skateboard riding. <laughs> weirdos decide to steal credit card codes because that's a good plan <laughs> and uh, chaos ensues and paul is a is tries to be a hero yeah yep. <laughs> mitchell what do you think of kevin james um i he's not very unique he doesn't mm-hmm. bring a lot of originality i mean i've seen a few kane queen episodes fully and i think he has some endearing qualities um as a comedian but i mean like that's more like you know as like a football obsessed like crappy husband kind of you know comedy um as as a as a as like as like somebody who's just pathetic but you can also feel bad for them i think he's all right i don't think he's like i think it's like a three out of five (laughs) but i mean like i don't know I, i i really like just Hammering down the fact that he lives with his grandma and his daughter. Like, you really get the sense almost immediately that that was intentional to have him be so pathetic. Um, yes. And then you, you're supposed to, like, care for him, you know, throughout. And then seeing him accomplish things that he doesn't even mean to accomplish and be like, yeah, I'm cool. Like, that's that's the gag right there, right? Yeah. And it's up to you to decide how long you can stay with that gag. Whether it's, like, the second you see Kevin James's face with a mustache, you just want to kill him. Like Zach, you know, (laughs) or, you know, I mean, I think that in terms of how they space out the slapstick throughout, I think it's spaced out fine. And I think there's enough variation of him, of his physicality um, throughout that I think it's it's not Mm -hmm. too aggressive, honestly, to me. Um, I think he has some like a natural personality. I feel like he definitely played off of his personality traits that he has in real life. um, It feels like. Um, and you know, I mean, he, he says stuff that's not really supposed to be funny, but it's funny because nobody else laughs kind of thing. Like a counter, like not an anti-joke, but like, it's like a counter kind of like you laugh because nobody else is laughing. Um, like he tries too hard. You always feel like he's trying too hard to impress people. Um, the generic cliche, uh, what's her name? I don't even remember her name (laughs) that he's trying to get the whole time. Very, very cliche. Dress is cliche. Worked at Mandy. Sure. I don't don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) Um, Amy, Amy, Amy. Um, and I mean, she's fine. Like she's like you know a j- j- normal person that you crush. I have crush on, and will never get kind of <laughs> mentality. And um, when he gets drunk and stuff, I should mention that him getting that that whole sequence. I feel like was filmed very effectively. Um, I yeah. should mention. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think he was pretty convincingly drunk. I mean, I don't know. 
Um, but I mean, <laughs> I, I, I thought he was fine. And him just being silly and just falling over is his personality. Like that's a part of his personality. It, it's a part of Paul Blart's personality and it's a part of, it's a part, it's part of his character and how he's portrayed. Um, so I, I don't, I don't see the problem with it. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's lazy, but I mean, I feel like if that's if, if we're told in the very beginning that he's a failure and he's trying to be something that he's not, and he ends up becoming the hero and getting the girl at the end, then we've heard that story ten bazillion times, um, and we are expecting it, and it pleases audience expectations, like a family movie literally always does. So, I yep. you know nothing surprising there. So he was not very surprising to me. I think it would done. work better for me. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just I think it would work better for me if he wasn't so incompetent at the beginning. Because he's he, there's so little to him. He's just this sad man who lives with his mother, or maybe his grandmother, um, lives with one of them, um, <laughs> and, and, like, can't get a date and his wife left him and his daughter seems way more competent than he is and he runs into things at work and nobody respects him and like if there was something just to maybe he's a really good mall cop at, at the very least but you really don't get the sense that he is because he tries to break up a dispute in a Victoria's Secret and he gets beaten up so he's he's not even good at his job and like he, he has the dimensionality of, like, a side character that would show up in another movie and do something funny and then leave. And, and that would work for that kind of thing in a different movie, but there's so little to him that is the lead of your film, there's just nothing there to gravitate towards. And so I, just, I find him staggeringly uninteresting. Hmm. I think that if he was a better mall cop, you would feel less sympathetic towards him because they're really trying to drive the pathetic feel bad for this sad person point home yeah so i think i think if you bolstered him up in any other capacity that would be less concerted um i i again tend to agree with mitchell he is by the way he is good at something zach he's good at facts he knows things that was like the main thing and he has and he has a he has a good moral compass so that's like him always trying yeah. to do the right thing and failing is a, like w- like one of the first ten it's like the ten cliches on a big and the tablet. fun fact and, like, thing is <laughs> is tied directly into his social ineptitude because he's always saying just like a random fact that nobody cares about yeah but it's like the only way he can feel impressive so yeah sure and that's I mean, there's people it, exactly like that in real life there yeah, are I, so. I'm looking for something more tangible to back up his heart of gold maybe he's okay. not a great mall cop but maybe we just have a shot maybe he through sheer dumb luck, manages to kind of quell that Victoria's Secret dispute, which is a phrase I never thought I would say on this podcast. And, <laughs> Victoria's and, Secret after, And you have a shot of him kind of looking around going like, wow, I actually did that. And then you have something. You have some hint of even accidental competency that you can grip onto and go, this guy can do something. But th- there's just none of that. He's just this this yeah. totally useless man. There's none and of that so, until he saves the malls. Well, I would, the, I would what break I'm the saying build up. is they hammer the pathetic aspect home so far that I just lose interest. Because okay. I totally mm-hmm. lose hope in this okay. person and tune out. That's fair, right. but I, I should say that John McClane's character is entirely defined by the e- events that surround the, the, the film. Like, literally, the film's events define his character for yeah. him. Like once he's sure. locked into the building, th- those events are what make that character. The same yes. way that Paul locked into the mall is like his definitive 
I but that's more like a coming of age thing for Paul than it is yeah. for McLean. I, I can't believe I we're comparing them, but <laughs> I think there are seeds laid earlier in Die Hard before he gets in the building for his personality that comes out during the main plot that aren't laid here though. Okay. There are there are no seeds here. It's just pathetic gets things done and there's no lead in and that's okay. what frustrates me. Okay. Okay. Uh, for me the slapstick the simplicity of the slapstick or or how old that gag may have been used that doesn't bother me the same way that using a a fairly simple hero's journey uh outline in a newer action film doesn't bother me because the same reason it, uh, watching a classic movie i don't think it's fair to say oh this is this is slower than a movie would be if it came out today like it, to me that's just sort of the ground they're building off of and like mitchell said i think the bits are various enough i think he falls uh falls over <laughs> enough different ways that it's a little bit funny at least a few of the times yeah and um and in terms of the character when i think about a character and what makes a character interesting I'm almost never thinking about whether I would like this person in real life or whether I would like like to talk to this person or spend time with them. The same I'm going to somehow relate this back to Uncut Gems. The same way I find Howard Ratner really interesting. I think he's like despicable and aggressively unlikable but also kind of pitiable and so him being like a terrible person doesn't subtract from how good that character is for me the same way that paul being annoying or one-dimensional doesn't subtract from his character for me and because like mitchell said i do believe there are people in this world that are like him (laughs) that are worse that are worse Yes. That are way worse. Yeah, and they're and still that makes people. Me sad. So that but, but I understand. Takes away from the I understand we're I understand we're talking in the context of the film. So, but yeah, but I, but the, we Zach disagrees with the premise and the, the 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 he disagrees with planting the seeds in the first place. Mm-hmm. Basically, the, the he disagrees with the, the the where Kevin James comes from and how he grows. If you disagree with where what if you disagree with their status quo from the beginning, then ninety nine percent of the time you're gonna disagree with the status quo that they at the end. So Yeah. I had another question, but I think I'm just gonna take us to our final thoughts because I okay. think we've done a good job covering a lot here and we've okay. got our other segments and whatnot. But uh final thoughts. Um <laughs> I have no nothing else to say. Just go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Zach. Okay. Um, well, if it's not clear already, I, I didn't like this movie. Like I said, one out of five. But, you know, it's it's on record that I am a mean old grouch. Um, yes. And so it's no surprise <laughs> that I didn't like this movie. Um, so, you know, if you are somebody who is looking for something to giggle at, and if you like clowns, um, <laughs> then you'll, you'll probably like this movie. Um, because this very much has that kind of simplistic clown humor. And I know that kind of sounds like an insult. I'm not trying to insult you, listener, wherever you are. Just, mm-hmm. you know, don't take my dislike of this film as a reason not to watch it. Like I said, caterers, PAs, grips, focus puller, give them some credit if nobody else. Um, so, yeah, Paul Blart Mall Cop, not my cup of tea, but it was never going to be. Well, I am... An audience simp, so I, I, uh, I, unlike many people, apparently, I like Jaws and Paul Blart. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have ascended into the into I the fourth probably dimension. Deserve that okay. one. I have ascended into the fourth dimension and realized that both of these can be good. <laughs> and, um, I think uh, there, like I said, this is a total brand. This is almost its own genre. It's it's hilarious that there are so many films that are, are exactly like this. Um, like I said, like something you'd put on in the background. Um, if you have kids, I feel like this is fine for kids. Um, yeah. And there's all ton of tooth like literally heaps of 2009 nostalgia um yes. here and it's ridiculous like you just know you just know right by looking at it when it came out um and that's fine and um i don't think it's for a particular audience necessarily but i do feel like it is it is so simplistic that you shouldn't just watch it just try to critique it it's not worth critiquing don't have a podcast about it it's not Definitely. worth it. <laughs> and, um, it's another family, one of many, many, many family films. Um, Kevin James galore. So two and a half out of five. Two out of five, I mean. I'm never going to go two and a half. But, um, <laughs> don't watch the sequel. Yes. All right. uh, you mentioned, Mitchell, that kids might enjoy this. I just want to jump in real quick before we, before we go on to other stuff. I hate children. Your, your kids might <laughs> like this. But make sure they get their Sesame Street in, too. This is their cinematic McDonald's. You need to give them some cinematic fruit and veg as well. All right. I'm out. Okay. okay. This will not teach your children anything. You need <laughs> oh, to show your out. kids okay. some Kindergarten cop will. Kindergarten cop might, but kindergarten cop also features a woman overdosing. So I don't know if you want to show that to your kids. There's no in between. <laughs> okay. Either kindergarten <laughs> cop or Paul Blart. All hello, right. ki- hello kitty <laughs> band-aid all right <laughs> um zach in your final thoughts you said this film wasn't for you and it was never going to be oh, yeah. no i believe that to some extent you decided before we watched this that you weren't going to like it now i could be wrong but that is my belief that is my partial understanding of your criticism of this movie and i think that is important to stress to a potential audience member of this film to just go in and try to enjoy it and for once maybe just try to watch a movie to enjoy the movie and have fun with the movie instead of criticizing it i think that is absolutely essential because i gave this a two out of five i don't think that this is especially important or special or good but i think (laughs) it is fun and sometimes that's enough I don't think this has anything to do with the relative success of independent films or or other movies that are seeking to do completely different things. Yeah. And I would just urge our listeners out there, if you think you'd have fun with some cheap slapstick, if you need a palate cleanser after watching a lot of really depressing movies set in World War II, <laughs> maybe consider giving this a try. Yeah, There's I had people- fun with it. There's people on Letterboxd that were genuinely putting reviews saying, like, I've had clinical depression for three weeks, and I watched <laughs> Paul Blart, and it changed my life. I and got over made, a breakup from a relationship worse. of five years. Yeah. <laughs> like, sometimes you just need it. Like, um, yeah. sometimes you just need, like, somebody to tell you something simply to completely change your whole life. And this is, this is it. Paul Blart. Maybe it is. <laughs> I had fun with it. I hope you do, too. And if not... You know, it was never trying to be anything special in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> All right, on to our bits. What's first? Uh, we can oh, read no. Zach, please go first, because yes. now it's me and Christian's turn to 
destroy oh. something. Yes. Oh. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. I will go first here then. Um. This will just be a preamble to yours because I imagine you'll talk about that for a while. Last okay. night I watched uh, Last Shift, which is a mm. 2014 horror film, uh, that didn't actually get a lot of coverage at the time, and a lot of people don't know about. It. Uh, it's basically a horror remake of John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13. Uh, there is a woman, she's a new police officer, and her first shift is she has to basically man the phones at this old police, uh, police station that is being closed down. It's entirely empty, there's nobody else there, and she just has to sit in it for this last night, um, w before they absolutely close everything up the next day. Uh, and strange shenanigans begin to take place, uh, as the hints begin to appear that the station might be haunted. Um, like I said, it takes a lot of inspiration from John Carpenter. There's some inspiration from Toby Hooper as well. A lot of the scares in this are clearly referencing Poltergeist and other movies by him. Uh, but I had a lot of fun with it. It's very, very creepy. Um, it never made me jump. There are a lot of moments that are explicitly there to shock you, uh, and those don't quite work, but it has a great atmosphere. Uh, I was constantly creeped out by it. The ending is kind of the sort of common negative type thing that you get from this sort of mid-budget horror, but I recommend the film. Please check it out. Please give it more attention. It's a movie that didn't get much when it came out. Uh, Last Shift, 2014. Uh, three out of five for me. There's another yes. film called The Last Shift. Uh, I don't know anything about that, so maybe that's good. <laughs> I don't know. Last Shift, 2014, though, is good. Nice. Nice. All right, well, controversy. <laughs> yes. Controversy. Um, in case anybody didn't know, I just fell back in my chair. In case you didn't know, <laughs> Black Widow. <laughs> Black Widow is objectively bad. Yes. Black Widow is objectively bad. Boo. Bane. Boo, you stink, you suck. Christian, go. Oh, dear. Okay. Well, first, I want to establish in this preamble <laughs> that and, and I think this is evident from the fact that we are talking about Paul Blart Mall Cop, a movie I enjoyed and chose to watch. <laughs> yes. I still approach everything I watch with, with the goal of enjoying it in some capacity. This uh -huh. is coming from someone that, despite its many flaws, found a lot to enjoy in The Falcon and The Winter Soldier and in WandaVision. So I reject the idea that I have a ton of Marvel fatigue. This is coming from someone that paid to see Cruella in theaters alone and really <laughs> liked it. Okay? Okay. So leave me alone. And, and I'm, I'm rejecting any arguments that Zach has made me pretentious or an impossible-to-please audience okay, because that I, is far from the case. I think this could be starting to be about something else. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not at all. No, this is very, this is very specifically about track. Black Widow. Remember, Zach yes. has Black Widow poster on right now or, or whatever. <laughs> the scene from the movie in the YouTube thing. So, oh, yes. <laughs> so I went into this movie and I walked out thinking, what just happened? I think halfway through, I, I, I saw this with Mitchell. Halfway through, I turned to Hi. Mitchell and I said, this is actually bad. And I was, I, I was said, sad I know. about it. I was really sad about it. I wanted, I thought it'd maybe be like a Mission Impossible equivalent or so-so or version. And it wasn't even that. I, I went down the list of what I look for to enjoy in any movie, in a superhero movie. I, I look for charismatic or interesting leads or an interesting villain or a plot that does new and interesting things with some twists or or even if even if none of those things are met maybe there's some really exciting action sequences or or really funny jokes or impressive technical work uh in in cgi effects or anything 
And I feel like I genuinely feel that all of those categories were either mediocre or terrible. I, I thought that the only redeeming part of this movie was, was Florence Pugh, who sadly totally stole the show from Scarlett Johansson, I think. She has a few moments that are charismatic. And Dave Harbour had like really one really funny joke um, about how many people they've killed. But uh, yes. if, you, if you really think about the plot, there are just so, so, so many plot holes. And mm. I wanted to enjoy it so badly, but it was poorly shot. The action was was edited bizarrely. The villain was, was poor. And I just go down the list of things I look for to enjoy. From someone that, that enjoys and has seen Paul Blart Mall Cop several times. And I, I could find basically nothing to enjoy here. I'm, I'm uh-huh. very sad to say. And there are parts of Captain Marvel that we both enjoy also. Yeah, Captain Marvel was definitely better than this. <clears throat> um, okay. Yeah, and you gave it a one and a half, right? Yes. Okay. I gave it a two. Um, Scarlett Johansson is literally watching Moonraker in the movie. And then they steal a scene. The most iconic, one of the most iconic James Bond scenes. uh, Where Bond and Jaws with the parachute at the beginning of Moonraker. I'm not going to spoil it because it's really really awesome. They literally do the exact same thing in Black Widow. And she is watching Moonraker in the movie. Okay. Pretty shameless. Um, the, The key twist in a part of their goal to get rid of whatever his name was the leader of the black widow people who couldn't have been more one-dimensional more Mm -hmm. one-dimensional than paul blart or the guy (laughs) with the fire shirt offering him hot sauce literally it it was so bad the only action that's relative to marvel is a cgi mess at the very end that we've seen a falling scene that we've seen probably eight bazillion times Mm -hmm. okay and 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 Marvel is like like their top tier. They have the money. They have the ability to do something that's great. They they knew what they were doing when they made this movie. They knew that they were making a plot that was flimsy and didn't matter. And they threw Black Widow's character aside for nothing. Every mm-hmm. other movie that Scarlett Johansson is in as Black Widow is way better. She is better as Black Widow in every other film except her own film. I'm mm-hmm. not kidding, okay? I love Black Widow. I think Black Widow's a great character. I feel like they justified her use in every movie, including the Avengers in 2012. She's even useful in that. Like, every, even Age of Ultron. Like, it, yeah, it, she's Infinity huge War, Endgame. Like, she get, dies in Endgame, right? And I'm, that's this is not even mentioning the fact that she's dead, okay? Like, this... already lessens the impact from the very beginning by the fact that there's an origin story for somebody who's dead that you know isn't gonna nothing bad's going to happen to her is like the worst feeling right Mm -hmm. florence Pugh has the best lines she's probably the most memorable actress in this entire thing and i just i don't understand how they could have messed up this bad and i gave it a two out of five because there were some scenes that i thought were really cool and even out of context i thought they were really cool and there were parts of the plot that I could understand where they were going, and there was, like, occasional moments with the family that was fine, but, like, man, like, what a disappointment. Like, I can't believe that Marvel was able to push this out and have people that literally just, like, oh, yeah, Marvel, ha, Black Widow, cool, okay, five out of five, or, you know, four out of five or something. I'm just, like, I'm sorry. Like, it's objectively bad. The plot makes no sense, okay? Mm -hmm. They ruin every character. Like, Taskmaster completely ruined, okay? Not going to say how, but Taskmaster is completely (laughs) ruined, okay? And it's not from the reason that everyone's saying it is. It's because the core aspects of Taskmaster are not there. He is 
he slash you know he's not there okay Kenas <laughs> master is bad all right the main character the and by the way all topped off by the fact that the main character who when you know i'm trying i totally forgot spoilers even mattered because it almost doesn't even matter to me but yeah. i'm gonna complete because we have time okay but black widow the main thing when she tries to make a a major action right at the main villain um it is prevented by th- something very 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 dumb very stupid the dumbest thing i've ever seen come out of any superhero movie i think any idea ever um so much build up for something so stupid and he's just a guy okay he's literally just a guy and we don't see anything about black widow by the way any expecting anything about actual origin like actually her being a black widow no nothing nothing at all it's a it's a family sitcom up to the last 30 minutes and it's very sad so sad. two out of five okay well um <laughs> uh, go I see guess... it zach I guess before we <laughs> move on to the Magical Cinema Tour, uh, I just want to say, uh, sorry, Amelia. Uh, okay, uh, the Magical <laughs> Cinema Tour. Um, Christian, what classic media have you seen since our last episode? Well, Zach, funny you should ask. Um, yesterday, I watched Seven Samurai, Akira Kurosawa's opus from 1954, uh, a truly terrific action film uh revolving around you guessed it seven samurai who are uh enlisted to protect this village of farmers from raiders who are uh, stealing their crops and uh, basically killing them because they're they're stealing their food and they need protection but they don't have a lot to offer so there's this very strong theme of of honor and and sacrifice amongst these samurai that do decide to commit to this cause and there are tons and tons of things stolen from this uh, in The Mandalorian. And there's, there's a few things stolen from this in the original trilogy of Star Wars as well. It's, it's painfully evident if you're a big fan, as I am. But um, I don't think it subtracts from the newer stuff. Uh, I just think it, it's a testament to how strong this original material is. And it really is great. Um, super strong performances from, I hope I'm not butchering his name, uh, Toshiro Mifune, who, as every day goes by, I wish a little more that I could have seen him play Obi-Wan. I think that would have been amazing. But um, <laughs> they're, they're fantastic performances. The direction is is great because it's Kurosawa. Of course it's great. Um, the plot is interesting. It's not just um, a, a, st- a stereotypical hero's journey or anything. Um, there, are, there are consequences, and people die, and stuff matters, and it's it's really long it's over three hours it's in black and white and it's in japanese and subtitled so yes it is demanding of a modern audience member but i also found that it does a great job of holding your attention if you're interested and if you give it a try so if you have three and a half hours that you can give away dear listener this is on hbo max right now so consider giving it a try i gave it a five out of five yeah i i'll I'll second that recommendation this is I would say this is one of the greatest Japanese movies of all time. It's also a movie that Japan's really proud of. Uh, when I went to Toho Studios in Japan, they've got a whole wall of the studio that's just a giant mural of the samurai standing in the tall grass, which is really <laughs> oh, cool. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, great film. Nice. For sure. Okay. We doing the, the pew-pew now? I, I think we are, oh, yes. We don't, we don't <laughs> have pew-pew. <laughs> oh, no, I thought you meant the rundown. No. Yeah, we're, we're running down. I there's a Glock 17, a Beretta 92 FS, and um, <laughs> uh, a Winchester, or uh, sorry, 
And um, yeah, Remington eight seventy. Remington eight seventy. Yeah. Mitchell's munitions minute. All right, there. Now we can go to rundown. Just because Christian had <laughs> munitions, ten seconds. <laughs> Christian shot. Christian shot off the guns. I have to go. I'm That's the rule. So. Okay, now we have to go on. <laughs> All right, we're, we're getting to the home stretch, everyone. Zach, you're almost done. You're almost done with this movie. You're so close. You're yep. so close. Just sixty more seconds of us berating you with phrases and miscellaneous things having to do with Paul Blart, and you'll respond with a rating out of five. Mitchell, are you ready to start us off? I'm ready. Excellent. Three, <laughs> two, one, go. Scuba dooby doo. Two out of five. Hair extensions. Two out of five. Peanut blart and jelly. <laughs> one out of five. Dreaming of becoming a state trooper. A two out of five. Pahood. Uh, two out of five. A Happy Meal and Silence. Uh, three out of five. Rock Band. Three out of five. Hello Kitty Band-Aid. A one out of five. Loch Ness Monster Tattoo. Uh, one out of five. Rainforest Cafe. Two out of five. Security Guards. Uh, three out of five. Officers. Uh, two out of five. Safety Never Taking a Holiday. Uh, two out of five. Fat Jokes. One out of five. Lemonade Being Insane. One out of five. Meeting You at the Corner of Nat and Ver. Never. One out of five. Frankenstein by the Edgar Winners Group. Uh, two out of five. Knowing a lot about sharks. Two out of five. Having all the access codes. Uh, one out of five. Segways. Uh, one out of five. Floor lollipop. <laughs> two out of five. Throwing your hip to give the illusion of having a gun. One out oh, of five. One second. All right, time. that. Oh, can't, can't, <laughs> nope. Don't say anything. Just the nature of the rundown. Yeah. <laughs> you did it, Zach. You made I, it through. I Congratulations. It. Okay, um... <sighs> I guess, I, shall I preview what we're talking about next? Yeah, you get your turn right. now. You know what? I, I've i been through two of these comedies. <laughs> I've been through Kindergarten Cop. I've been through Paul Blart Mall Cop. I'm through with the comedy, and I'm through with the cops. All right? I've had it up to here. So next time, we're talking about a silent movie that's almost 100 years old. We're going all the way back in the past to talk about Nosferatu. From 1922, you two will feel my wrath. (laughs) (laughs) But Christian already reviewed it. We're going to talk about one of the oldest movies we've ever talked about on this show. And you two are going to like it, alright? So if you want to hear us talk about Nosferatu, a great classic of silent horror, tune in next time. Uh, Silent comedy would be Zach saying nothing. On that note, this has been Cookie Pocket, <laughs> and this podcast has been about film. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Goodbye. Goodbye.